Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. We've been tracing the comparisons and prophecies of Jesus that are found in the Old Testament books of the Bible. This week, we continue the series and conclude it, starting in the book written by the prophet Jeremiah. He lived approximately 600 years before Christ, and his ministry was during part of the time of the captivity of Judah and Israel in Babylon. Over the main, one of the main characteristics of Jeremiah's ministry is the fact that he was rejected by nearly everyone, including family, the people, the priests, and the other prophets. He brought difficult-to-hear messages of the sins of the people, their backsliding, and their future captivity. He became known as the weeping prophet because of his pleas for the people to repent. In comparison, Jesus was also rejected by family at first by the priests and the religious leaders and the people at the time that he was crucified. Yet his message has endured throughout the centuries, and he is a constant source of comfort and inspiration to those who suffer rejection because of their belief and trust in him. A key verse that shows the divine call of God and the sanctity of the unborn is found in Jeremiah 1.5 that says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jesus, too, was called and ordained to be the Son of God and to bring the message of redemption to the world. When God ordains a plan, nothing can stop it. The book of Lamentations is also attributed to Jeremiah. Though he laments over the backsliding and sins of his people, Jeremiah reminds them of God's mercy in the midst of judgment. It is through the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3:22 and 23. Jesus not only spoke of the love comparison of the Lord, but he lived it throughout his ministry. He healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, and fed the multitudes. He took on the sins of the entire world so that everyone who receives him as Savior can live forever with him. The prophet Ezekiel was a contemporary of both Jeremiah and Daniel, although Jeremiah was quite elderly at the time Ezekiel began his prophetic ministry. Ezekiel is considered to be a major Old Testament prophet who predicted much of Israel's future, but also gave glimpses into the mysteries of heaven and God's majesty. Like the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, Ezekiel was ordered to eat a scroll with the prophecies written in it and then speak the words of the prophecy, Ezekiel 3.1 and Revelation 10.9 and 10. Ezekiel prophesied that the Jewish people would be scattered throughout the world. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you throughout the countries, Ezekiel 22.15. But though he predicted the captivity and dispersion of the Jews, Ezekiel did not leave the people without hope. Chapters 40-48 to detail the future millennial kingdom when Israel will recognize her Messiah and be permanently restored in the land once promised Abraham and his descendants. Ezekiel encounters the glorified Christ in the first chapter of his book. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was the likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Ezekiel 1, 26 and 27. Ezekiel continued by saying this, Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of this brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel 1, 28. When the Apostle John was given the visions found in Revelation, he saw Jesus in a similar way. 
Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Revelation 1, 12-15. John further describes this one on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Revelation 4, 2. Though Ezekiel did not know that God would send his son as a man to the earth to redeem all creation, he had the privilege of seeing the glorified Christ on the throne of heaven. The other comparison to Jesus in the book of Ezekiel is found in chapter 34. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. Ezekiel 34, 1-13a. In John 10, Jesus describes himself as the good and the true shepherd of the sheep, who loved them to the point of giving his life for them. Just as he watches over Israel, he also watches over us, the sheep of his pasture. The book of Daniel contains several parallels to Jesus. Though largely a book of the future of Israel during the tribulation period, the man Daniel was a type of Christ because of his pure life and steadfast commitment to prayer and faithfulness to God. Daniel resolved to keep himself from the temptations of the world, including food that was not healthful or kosher, and from strong drink. Because Daniel kept in close contact with God through prayer, the Lord gave him revelation as to the dreams of the pagan king who ruled in the country where Daniel and his companions were captive, Daniel 1.8. Jesus, of course, obeyed God in every area and was able to heal, raise the dead, cast out demons, and reveal the thoughts of men. When Daniel's companions refused to bow and worship to the pagan statue, they were bound and thrown alive into a blazing furnace. The men who threw them in were immediately killed by the fire that had been built to seven times its normal capacity. But the king and his company then experienced great shock. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. This was centuries before Jesus came to the earth as a man, so how could Nebuchadnezzar know that God would have a son? But he was astute enough to recognize that God had sent protection and a witness to all who saw this miracle, that he was far greater than any pagan idol or statue in the likeness of a king. Jesus, who is with the Father in the beginning, will walk through the fire with his children. Not only will they not be harmed, but even the smell of smoke will not be upon them. Daniel 3:27. In his visions of the future, Daniel, like Ezekiel and the Apostle John, was given a vision of the Lord. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Daniel 7, 9. 
In chapter 9 of this book is the well-known prophecy of the 70 weeks. Daniel predicted the coming of the Messiah about 600 years before Jesus came. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood and... Till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Daniel 9, 24-26 Though Daniel may have known of Isaiah's prophecy of the future Messiah, he certainly could not have known the plan of redemption and the cruel death that Jesus would die. Daniel was given specific time frames in the division of the 70 weeks. They were not literal weeks of days, but they were prophetic weeks of years. Seven weeks in this prophecy equaled 49 years, the length of time before the rebuilding of Jerusalem would begin after the commandment to do so was given. Then it would be another 434 years before the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Jesus lived on the earth approximately 33 and a half years before his death. During that time, he brought an end to the curse upon man after the fall. He made a reconciliation for iniquity and brought in everlasting righteousness. He fulfilled the prophecies made about him, and he became the most anointed one. This prophecy states that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. His life was cut short for our sakes. Though he did not marry and produce earthly children, his death brought countless sons and daughters of the Lord into his eternal kingdom. Once the reader leaves the book of Daniel, it is followed by a series of smaller books written by men known as the Minor Prophets. Though their writings may not be as lengthy as those of Isaiah, Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, they still contain notable references to Jesus in many cases. They are not necessarily in chronological order. For example, the book of Hosea, which follows Daniel, was written nearly 800 years before Christ. The name Hosea means salvation, and it is a fitting reference to the man who typifies Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, and that also means salvation. Hosea was given the strange command of the Lord to many to marry a prostitute whose name was Gomer. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son, Hosea 1, 2, and 3. This son was named Jezreel, and the Lord predicted the fall of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer then bore Hosea a daughter whose name meant that mercy would be withdrawn from Israel, but not Judah. A third child was born, a son whose name meant that God would not claim Israel as his people. Yet this this withdrawal was only for a short time because the promises of God to Abraham were forever. Hosea went on to say, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot cannot be measured or numbered. It shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, that it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. Hosea 1.10. In another prophecy, God spoke through Hosea these words to Israel, I will betroth you to me forever, 
Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Hosea 2, 19 and 20. In these verses, we see that God is the husband of Israel, and he has always remained true, though she has been unfaithful to him. In the same way, the church is the bride of Christ. He is faithful to his bride, even though at times she may not be true to him. The Apostle Paul was constantly urging faithfulness to, to the believers. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin in Christ, 2 Corinthians 11.2. When eternity begins, Israel and the church will be together as one, redeemed by the love of our faithful husband, the Lord God of heaven. Joel was a contemporary of Amos, and his book is only three chapters long. Yet it contains a very powerful prophecy that was um, quoted by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost when it began to be fulfilled. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon my men servants and on my maid servants will I pour out my spirit in those days, Joel 2, 28 and 29. Just before his death and destruction and resurrection, sorry, Jesus spoke of often with his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He stated that he would not only send the Holy Spirit, but that his disciples would recognize him as the same Spirit who indwelt Jesus. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, John 14, 16 to 18. Joel predicted the outpouring of the Spirit, and Jesus was the one who fulfilled this prophecy. The prophet Amos typifies Jesus in that he was of lowly origin and used metaphors and illustrations in his teachings. The name Amos means burden bearer, just as Jesus told us, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 just as Jesus came into the world with a passion to bring the Word of God to a lost world, Amos felt the pressure of the Spirit upon him. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Amos 3.8 Amos predicted a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. In the same way, not all who heard the word of the Lord made flesh believed in him. Yet those who believe discover the true and the living God. Now we're going to take a short break, and you can discover how you can be witnesses to people in 177 different countries around the world. We'll be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click Donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back. 
The book of Obadiah is only one chapter long and deals mainly with the Lord's preservation of the nation of Israel against her enemies. It rebukes the sibling rivalry between the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. In the same way, Jesus came to bring peace among all men and to be the living example of loving our enemies. In the end, Isaac and Ishmael will love his brothers and be redeemed. Jonah is known as the runaway prophet who did not want to obey the call to preach repentance to the city of Nineveh. Though he was in service to the Lord and thus under obligation to preach whatever the Lord told him to say, Jonah literally fled from the Lord on a ship sailing to a far destination. The Lord caused a great storm to arise and Jonah was tossed overboard to avoid the deaths of the other sailors. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and he found himself in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, Jonah 1.17. Although Jesus was fully obedient to the Lord to speak everything that the Lord commanded, he was like Jonah in that he spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth after his crucifixion. It is believed that Jonah actually died but was brought back to life after he prayed to the Lord. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Jonah 2, 4 and 7. Jesus compared himself with Jonah when the scribes and Pharisees asked for a sign to prove that he was the Son of God. Jesus replied in this way, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 12, 39 and 40. During those three days, Jesus not only took his blood to heaven as the perfect sacrifice for sin, but he also spoke to all those who had died and were in the compartments in the center of the earth awaiting resurrection, 1 Peter 3.19. Because Jesus died and rose again, we need not fear death. Because we live in him and he lives in us, we have the promise of eternity with him. Micah was a minor prophet who was a contemporary of Isaiah. Chapter 4 is a mighty prophecy of the future kingdom of Christ in the millennium. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more." This, by the way, is on the building of the United Nations. But everyone shall sit under his vine and sit under his own fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Micah 4, 1-4. And in chapter 5, Micah gives a very specific prophecy as to where the Messiah, the ruler of the future millennial kingdom, would be born. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Micah 5.2 The prophet points out that this Messiah was the pre-incarnate Christ, the Word of God who had been with God from the beginning, and the one who was God. John 1.1 1, 1. Nahum was a minor prophet whose name means compassionate or full of comfort. He tells the people that they need to rely on the Lord. 
The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows the ones who trust in him. Nahum 1.7 The way that Jesus knows who trusts in him is through our faith. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 Jesus becomes our stronghold because he is the chief cornerstone of the building. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Matthew 21, 42. When Jesus told the parable of the building on a rock versus building on the sand, the house built upon the rock was the one that withstood the storm. In the same way, when we build our lives on Christ, the rock, and we will come through every storm of life that occurs and and what we have built in him will remain. The prophet Habakkuk asked God two questions that nearly every believer has asked at some point in his Christian walk. God, where are you? And number two, why don't you avenge the injustice against your people? In verse two of chapter one, Habakkuk cries out, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? He goes on to say, I even cry to you about violence and you will not save. Habakkuk laments that there is nothing stopping those who refuse to follow laws. For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention rises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Habakkuk 1, 26, to, 2b to 4. But the Lord reassures the prophet that he is not only present, but very much aware of what is happening with the evil in this world. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Habakkuk 1.5 Habakkuk could not have known at the time that a Savior would, would come who would establish a kingdom upon the earth and be building a church. This began on the day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the centuries, this kingdom has grown and flourished. Ultimately, there will be a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. Until that time, those of us in the church today are to bring the good news of the gospel to, all, to everyone we can who needs to hear it. Zephaniah was a likely contemporary of Jeremiah. His short book is quite somber as he prophesies judgments on the backsliding of Israel. But he ends the prophetic word with a comforting reassurance of the love of God for his people. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Habakkuk 3.17 Jesus lamented over Jerusalem and her unbelief, and he longed to gather them in his love. Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Matthew 23, 37. But the day will come at the end of the tribulation period when Israel finally recognizes her Messiah. The Apostle Paul explains this in Romans 9 to 11, especially in chapter 11. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. 
And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I will take away their sins. Romans 11.25-26 What marvelous love that reaches out to the uttermost to save his people. The prophet Haggai was one of the prophets to encourage the people to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem when they returned after the captivity in Babylon. He rebuked those who procrastinated, but then he strongly encouraged those who persisted in the rebuilding of the temple. His prophecy of the coming temple and of the Messiah is as follows. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the divine, to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, Haggai 2, 6, 7, and 9. Centuries later, the infant Jesus would be brought to this temple, and the glory of the Lord would come through him to every nation on the earth. Zechariah's book has been called the Old Testament comparison with the book of Revelation in the New Testament. Many, much of the symbolism is similar and the book could comprise a study in itself. There are several messianic prophecies that are found in it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of the peace shall be between them both. Zechariah 6, 12, and 13. Now, in chapter 11 is the prophecy of the betrayal price of Jesus. And back up on the one of the branch, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me shall bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So unless we stay in Jesus, we cannot bear anything. Now, the prophecy of Jesus in chapter 11 of that book says, So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. Zechariah 11, 12b and 13. Now Judas had gone to the priests ahead of time to betray Jesus, and he bargained for thirty pieces of silver. But when he brought them and realized that he had betrayed the innocent blood, he tried to give back the thirty pieces of silver to the priests in the temple. But they said, We cannot take this money because it is blood money. So Judas threw down the money on the floor and went out and hanged himself. So the priest said, What are we going to do? The money was eventually used to buy a potter's field, a place to bury strangers in who died. It was also a place of refuge where broken pottery was thrown, and so it was a place that was very desolate. The prophet predicts that one day Israel will recognize her Messiah. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his own son, his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for the firstborn. Zechariah 12.10 At the end of the tribulation and the final battle of Armageddon, the Lord returns to save his people. 
they will finally recognize him as this as the Messiah and realize all along that they had rejected the one who had come to them so long ago. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that in that day and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east and then the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move to the north and half to the south, Zechariah 14, 3 and 4. As always, the Lord makes quite an entrance. Finally, there is the book of Malachi, the last prophet to speak for 400 years until the birth of Christ. Perhaps the most interesting passage speaks of a special book in heaven. Then those who feared the Lord spoke often to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him, Malachi 3, 16-17. People do not realize that every time they speak of the Lord, every time they hold a Bible study, every time they share a testimony, whether in private with another friend or whether before the church, whether in a broadcast, however they share and talk about the Lord, that it is recorded and that the Lord remembers that. And this is part of what goes into that book of remembrance. What a privilege to be remembered by the Lord and to be written in his book. Jesus is seen throughout the entire Old Testament so that the world would have advanced knowledge of his coming. Just as he came the first time, he will surely come again as he promised. Until then, keep looking up. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.